we're back and you're listening to Minadops Let's Talk, a podcast that brings you valuable resources for prospective and current adoptive and foster families, as well as professionals. My name is Jackie, um, and I'm back today talking with Ed Morales about things families should know as they move toward placement of a child in their home. In our last episode, we talked about the final days before a placement. And in this episode, we'll be talking more about what happens during those first 30 days after placement. Hey, Ed, welcome back. Thanks for having me back, Jackie. Nice to see you again. You too. Um, I'm excited to continue our conversation about, and this time about 30 days after placement, what to expect. Absolutely. Me too. Thanks for having me back. And so I guess we kind of touched, touched this, um, in the first podcast, but what can families expect the first few days after a new placement? You know, I I was thinking about this as, as I was preparing for this and, um, to be able to like pin it down, I think is impossible. Right. And you might be, you might expect lots of different things. Um, and I, maybe that's what, maybe that's the, that's the main message here is expect the unexpected or expect lots of different possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for some families and for some placements, the, the few days, weeks, even months after a placement can feel pretty quiet and feel pretty stable. And then things might hit some bumps down the road. Um, for other placements, it's like, as soon as we get joined together, it's like chaos. Um, for others, it's like a mix, you know, and it, it really just depends a lot on your kiddo's experiences, your ability to, abilities and skills as a parent, your experiences and so on and so forth. So it's hard, I think, to, to expect one thing. Um, sometimes though, people will talk about a, a so-called honeymoon period. And the honeymoon period is, uh, you know, kind of like a honeymoon in marriage where like the, the first time after placement is pretty solid and then things kind of drop off. Um, I've heard other folks kind of critique that idea of the honeymoon period because it sort of implies that uh, maybe we're not seeing the real kiddo at first and we're only seeing the real kiddo down the road and the real kiddo is the one who has big behaviors. Um, So be mindful about that because our our kids of course are always their real selves. Like they're always their whole person. Uh, It just may be that part of who they are, part of what they're experiencing doesn't show up for a little while. Um, I will say that, you know, we want to be mindful about creating intentional time together that is uh, well scaffolded to where kiddos are at um, and being able to take things slow. In our family system, you know, we try to go pretty quick. So when my oldest moved in, um, I think within a month, we tried to take a trip to Atlanta mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it was a pretty good trip, but it was too, too much too soon for our family system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was hard to tell that I wouldn't have known that I don't know, unless I'd done more work ahead of time, I guess, but be mindful about those things that um, sometimes things can feel like they're going pretty well, but then to push it to that next level of, well, let's try to do a big family thing, then it's just too much. Yeah. So, you know, maybe expect lots of quiet, expect lots of questions, or maybe try to anticipate those questions of like, how do, how does the bathroom work? How does the shower work? Yeah. You know, imagine going to your friend's house and trying to operate their shower. It sometimes doesn't make any sense, right. uh, but trying to like, just be ready to answer those kinds of questions of how, how dishes work in your house or whatever it is, um, because you've got a young, young person who needs to learn all these systems. Um, right. And then eventually I'm sure every, we'll, they'll learn the routine. They'll learn right. how everything works. Well, yeah, you'd think so. But then if they're teenagers, oh. <laughs> uh, it's like they learn the routine, but the routine never happens, which is confusing. Sure. <laughs> 
Um, but it's, I think it's more of a teenage issue than an adoption. Got it. I'm not quite there yet. My son's 11. We're getting there. Oh, well, <laughs> buckle up. It's going to be yeah. great. <laughs> Can't wait. Can you tell us things that families can do to support the transition of a young person into the house, which you've had experience with? Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, it's going to look different for every youth and what, what the youth is going to need is going to be really different. Um, in our family system, we talked about this in the last episode that uh, we made an about me book. And that was something that I think was helpful. Um, and I'd had a relationship, I, I'd known uh, my kiddos for a while before they moved in um, through my work in the schools. So it's a little bit different, but that idea of an about me book to sort of introduce what the house looks like, who I am, where I come from as a parent, or as a person, um, what I'm hoping to accomplish as a parent, and then leaving space for, for kiddos to generate their ideas. So you have this like shared document, I think is a, is a really valuable, or can be a really valuable tool for a lot of young people. Absolutely. Um, there's a, a model out there called the 357 model. And the 357 model was created by a woman named Darla Henry, uh, who is sort of a luminary in the adoption and permanency world. And she talks about this, it's, it's sort of a therapeutic model, but I think it's also something that parents can keep in mind as well. So the 357 model refers to three tasks, five questions, and then uh, seven essential skills I think that workers have. Hmm. And the three tasks are organized around this idea of clarification, that the young person needs to figure out kind of what has happened in my life so far, integration, which is like a young person understanding that they, their place in multiple family systems, so a lot of times, one of the things that happens is young people, especially as they get older, um, feel split in loyalty. And so they have to like figure that out and understand, get to a place where they can understand that it's not about loyalty. It's about like, I exist in multiple spaces. Mm -hmm. And then the third task is this task called actualization, which is all about um, being able to acknowledge that, yes, I have membership in multiple families, but it's a specific family now that I'm transitioning into, and then I'm going to continue to build this membership with. Mm which is something that we try to do um, before permanency as much as we can, but can be pretty tough to do depending on where you're at. So we think about those things, you know, in these first days after placement of like, these are some of the essential tasks that our young people are gonna be working on throughout the course of their lives. But certainly when we find a new place to stay or like a new family system that we're joining. Um, and so be mindful about those that they're trying to make sense of where they're at and where they're going, which leads to the five questions. And the five questions are, what happened to me? Mm -hmm. Who am I? Where am I going? How am I going to get there? And not like, where am I going? Like to Taco Bell. It's like, where am I going? Like, you know, conceptually kind of thing. Yeah. And how will I know when I belong? Mm -hmm. And these are questions that our young people are trying to answer as well. And so the more we can facilitate conversations or spaces to have those conversations or to do that processing in ways that are safe and appropriate, um, the better off I think our family systems will be. Uh, so yeah. Again, the questions, I, and I think about them a lot, are, are what happened to me? Who am I? Where am I going? How will I get there? And when will I know I belong? Mm -hmm. So the more we can do to try to help young people answer or start to answer those questions or continue to answer those questions, the better off we're going to be. And then the last things, the seven essential skills refer more to our work that we do in like a therapeutic setting, but I think are appropriate for parents as well in a lot of cases. The seven skills are that we're going to engage young people in the process. And so the question of how do we integrate young people to our family system? Well, let's start by asking them, what, what, what do you think is gonna help here? They may or, not know, may or may not know the answer, um, but we certainly wanna have the conversation. 
The second one is listening to what our young people say and understanding that their truth is their truth. So um, that's a super important thing that we do. It's not just uh, what we might call drive-by empathy where we ask a question, but don't really care about the answer. We actually wanna care about the answers here um, yeah. as we go through this journey. The third skill is speaking the truth. So being honest about as much as it can be, where you're at as a parent, what you're nervous about, where your skills are. Um, what you're hoping to accomplish, whether or not you know the answer to something. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know what the answer is. We're gonna have to find out. Um, validating the child and the child's life story is another skill. Creating a safe space for the child to do his or her work or their work um, and allowing that it's never too late to go back in time to do some healing or repair work. And then finally, the last skill is acknowledging that pain is a part of the process. That's a part oh, of this process of healing and, and progress, um, which is kind of a bummer. But if we don't acknowledge it, it, it might just happen in secret or they might feel shame around it. And they, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of a bummer. You don't want that. No. Okay. That's the 357 model in a nutshell. Darla Henry, <laughs> look her up. There's some great I'm, information to learn about. I'm that. sure you can do a whole webinar on that. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I think Darla Henry does do like full day training. Oh, excellent. oh I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so you can definitely check those out um, and, and hear it from the source. She's still around with us. So. Uh, the other things, you know, supporting, I think, is maintaining the boundaries um, with friends and families, whether that's uh, you want to be mindful about not overwhelming a young person who's moving in with like all these visitors who they don't know, or um, you want to be mindful about being slow to introduce them to particular folks, particularly if you're in a trans, well, every every family system is transcultural, I suppose, but in a, like a transracial or significantly transcultural placement, mm -hmm. um, and you have a family member who maybe has some problematic views or some biased views that you wanna be protective of around your kids, that's okay. You wanna be mindful about those things and, and really assert that and maintain those boundaries. Mm. Um, and then again, I, th I think we've said this before and Jack, you mentioned this as well a couple of times, but being patient is super Back important. to the patience. Back to the yes. patience, right? That's the thing, you gotta be patient with yourself and yes. with your young people and with everybody in the, the ecosystem. I'm assuming that families worry about discipline when a youth joins their household. So do you have any advice for new parents around that? Buckle up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they do. That's really, it's a question that folks ask a lot. And um, I, I think when I do work with families a lot, this is kind of the thing where we see almost like, um, like values posturing, like, well, when our kid joins our family system, this is how it's going to go. Mm. All right, good luck, man. I don't know. Yeah. I guess it's just not probably going to really be how it is when your young person joins your family. Um, right. We mentioned this in the first episode, but parenting through adoption through foster care is often and all, maybe always very different than parenting in, in biological family systems. Mm -hmm. You deal with some of the same stuff, but how you respond maybe looks a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And in part, that's because of just the experiences of grief and loss and maybe caregiver disruption our young people experienced. Trauma impacts the ways that brains develop. They impact the way that we respond to consequence. They impact our skills which then changes how we can deal with being wrong about a thing or being called a task. So do some learning and be mindful about that, that conventional approaches probably aren't gonna work. Um, again, we mentioned this last time as well, you're gonna get lots of unsolicited advice mm -hmm. and you'll see lots of folks, you know, if I was in charge or this parent, this kid just needs better parenting. And the reality is that Parenting is not the end all be all. You don't have as much power perhaps as you'd like to believe you do. Right. And when stuff happens, it's not always your fault as a parent. And every child is different. No matter every child is different, right? Mm -hmm. So even if you have like my girls, uh, sisters, very different experiences, mm -hmm. very different experiences with behaviors, very different experiences with supporting them to grow. 
the things you need to grow on are very different. Um, and it just depends. Mm -hmm. I think being mindful though, about what you're trying to accomplish is important. So, and along with that, being on the same page as you have a parenting partner, trying to get as close to the same page as you can with them is super important. My wife and I have very different parenting styles mm -hmm. um, and that creates a lot of tension in our family system that we have to process through a lot. Right. Not totally resolved, uh, frankly, <laughs> but it's something that continues to be in process. And I think where we tend to find the most common ground is when we are talking about the destination versus the journey. We both want the same thing at the end. How we get there looks a little bit different, which can be pretty challenging. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the last two things I might say are, are one, you know, you, you want to be mindful as a parent about not giving in but also knowing when to change the expectation that you've put on the table. Mm -hmm. So parents, I think are often concerned about like, if I set an expectation and my kiddo doesn't meet it, then I have to go after the expectation hard, otherwise I'm giving in. And that's not really what giving in is. Giving in is more about like issuing a consequence. And then when the consequence gets hard, I give up on it. So like if a kiddo is using their phone inappropriately and I take their phone, and now the kiddo is like throwing chairs at me or whatever, crying or cursing at me or something like that. Then I say, fine, fine, fine. Have the phone back. That's giving in. Mm -hmm. Giving in is not the same thing as letting expectations go for now, which looks something like, I don't know if, you know, bedtime is at 830 at your house, but your kiddo got suspended from school that day or something like that. And it's just having a really down day. And so instead of 830, um, you let that expectation go and you watch a movie together and go to bed at 10. Um, that's an example of sometimes you just got to change what your expectation is to actually meet your young person where they're at. Oh, absolutely. That's really helpful. Yeah. And the last thing I would say is um, that our, our, one of our, our supporter people has offered to us is that we want to be really mindful about not using retroactive punishments. So if um, you haven't set the expectation, like if your kid is blaring their music and you've never really talked about, like, if you do that, I'm going to take your speaker. Um, it's not really fair to a lot of young people, especially when they've experienced this grief and loss to say, well, you did this thing. I didn't tell you about it, but I'm taking this from you. Um, you want to be make sure that like, it's like, if you do this again, the next thing that's going to happen is we'll take the speaker away. Mm -hmm. And so making sure we're setting that up for the future. So there's not a surprise there. Um, and then if you do use that as a, as a punishment or consequence that you're very clear about how or when the kiddo is going to get a thing back mm -hmm. indeterminate punishment. I mean, Traditional punishments, consequences don't really work in general for this, this like group of kiddos. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're going to use them, you can't just say, we'll see. I don't know how long you're grounded. I don't know how long it's going to sure. be to get your phone back. You got to know the answer to those things and be able to give a clear answer if you're going to do that sort of approach. Sure. So if or when things start to feel like they're unraveling, which can happen a lot, what can families do? Yeah. Um, <laughs> panic. No, don't panic. Uh, <laughs> everybody, we've all been there before and most of us make it out. Okay. You know, so I, in the field of aviation, there's a concept called lost procedures. So if you're flying around, this isn't like, if you'd like take a flight on like a main carrier, it's like, if you're flying the plane, uh, but if you're, if you get lost and you're flying the airplane, there's some things that you're supposed to do. And I think about them a lot in terms of parenting. So in, in aviation, the lost procedures, there's five, it's the five C's. Um, and it's the first one is confess. The second one is climb, conserve, communicate, and comply. And the way I relate this to family systems is that, so in aviation, confess is like, first you got to say that I'm lost. I don't know where I am right now. And that's a problem. That's the first step. Acknowledge there's a problem. 
same thing is true in parenting. I think it's like, I got to acknowledge that I'm feeling like things are unraveling and I don't really know what to do right now. That's a Absolutely. really important first step, right? Yes. And it's okay to do the thing you got to do it. It's okay to be lost. Absolutely. Parenting. It's so, well, I better be because I'm lost all the time. Uh, and the second one is climb. So in aviation, like you then get higher above the ground so you can see more. That's a very simple concept. But I think about in terms of parenting too, of like, I need to get above the actual problem that I'm facing. So I don't want to get mired down in this like fight over solutions, but I want to get above the conflict and see kind of what's going on and get a better picture of like the whole landscape here and try to understand that. The third one is conserve. Sometimes you'll hear circle, but the idea is in flying, you want to conserve your fuel. So you figure out where you are and don't run out of gas and you know not be able to fly anymore. I think the same is true for parenting. You want to conserve your energy, but also like your emotional capacity, because you don't know how long this conflict is going to go on. You don't know how long you're going to be a crisis. And so you need to take care of yourself and mm -hmm. have other people take care of you too. So conserve your life force. Mm -hmm. The last two are communicate and comply. And um, in aviation, communicate is about getting on the radio and saying, hey, I'm lost. I don't know where I am. Help. Yeah. I think that's yeah. true for parenting too, right? Like yeah. reach out. Yes. I'm stuck. I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. Yeah. And the last one is comply. And in aviation, it's more about like, you know, air traffic control says go here and then you do that thing. Um, but, you know, I think some of it's true for parenting too. It gets a little bit iffy here, but, you know, if you get advice or get an instruction or something or, or get a suggestion, like try that thing out. It may not mm -hmm. be the thing that's actually right in the end, but maybe it moves you a little bit. Um, and as the folks at Minadopt often say, we may not be able to get you to a better place all the time, but we'll get you to a different place. And yeah. sometimes that's okay. Just a different yeah. place is where we want to be. And it goes back to um, sometimes it's hard to ask for help. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah, right. And it, it is yeah. hard to ask for help for a lot of reasons. Being vulnerable is really hard. I think for a lot of parents too, they're like, well, I kind of got myself in it. I'm the one who made the choice to do this. Right. And now I'm saying I can't do it. Mm -hmm. Nope. It's not really what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And even if you were like, yeah, maybe it's hard. You're dealing with things that most people don't experience in their lives. And, and so it's a big, big deal stuff um, to run into those things. Um, along with that, some other things just in terms of like when things are unraveling, what to do, um, recommitting to your purpose and knowing like why you got into this in the first place, I think is important, whatever that is, whether it was a calling or, a, you know, just intentional decision, whatever it is, but remembering that um, trying to shut down those ants, we call them automatic negative thoughts. Uh, mm -hmm. Those moments where it's like, oh, I can't do this. I got to give up. They happen to me all the time. I'm the king of automatic negative thoughts. And I got to like push back against those a lot because they're just so persistent. Mm -hmm. um, and then being able to like be persistent and seeking resources. Sometimes folks will say no and try to close the door and you got to push that door back open and say, nope, we actually need you to provide this resource to us. Um, we as a you know society have an obligation to do this. So you're going to help me do this thing. Sometimes that feels pretty, pretty um, not like a bummer to do, but you got to do it because it's it's important for your your stability, your kiddo stability. Right, and I'd like to just shout out to um, everyone that Minadopt has a great help program oh, yeah. uh, where we also provide lots of resources in there to help you. So don't be afraid to reach out to us and ask for help. Absolutely. No pun intended. I like the way you said help, by the way. Help. Help. Minadopt help program is outstanding. Yes. Um, I've, we've accessed it many times as a family system. And again, it doesn't, it doesn't always get you to the destination you want right away. Um, and, but that's okay. Like it, part of it's like, at least somebody's in our corner and I know that somebody is sort of allied with us. Yeah. Um, even Just if having someone to talk to. Even. Absolutely. 
So I think that's super important being able to do that and, and utilize that program. Um, and they've helped us find therapists, they've helped us process through things, they've helped us with funding for things. So it's a super useful program. Please do tap into it. Well, Ed, do you have any final thoughts before we say goodbye? Last time they were hammering on the roof and this time I think my wife is walking upstairs. So I apologize for speaking. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> There's a lot, always a lot going on. Um, you know, the road is hard. This, this is a hard journey. It's, it's really hard. It's, it's hard. Even if you have parenting experience, it's hard if you haven't had parenting experience. Um, maybe it's easier if you hadn't, I don't know. I've never not, I've never been a parent before I was an adopted parent. So I guess mm. I can't say that, but coming into it, like not really knowing maybe it's a benefit perhaps. Um, but with all that said, there's going to be lots of turbulence along the way. Um, sometimes mm. there's going to be turbulence that's going to try and shake the whole plan apart. Uh, Sometimes it shakes the plane apart, but most of the time you continue flying. And even if it's like, well, that was terrible and scary, like that's reality. And you just kind of keep going. And, and I think you might be surprised as you get into it, like looking back at all the things that you um, are able to withstand and survive. Maybe not without a scratch, you know, <laughs> but that's okay. Mm -hmm. uh, you may have scratches down the road, some extra bruises, things like that. Maybe new gray hairs. I got a lot of gray hairs in my beard these days. Um, but the reality is that millions of parents and millions of kids have gone through this journey. And yeah. um, the vast majority make it through in one piece. That piece may look a little bit different than you thought it would at the end. Um, but most of us make it through okay, or at least in some semblance of okay. Mm -hmm. And also to be mindful that not everybody does. And sometimes things have to change and that's a really hard place to be in. Um, but it's also the reality that sometimes things do have to change. So hard journey can be lonely, extraordinarily rewarding, and uh, you're gonna be all right perhaps. Absolutely, yes. Well, I can't thank you enough for being with us for this little mini series. Thank you, Ed. Thanks Jackie so much, it's been a pleasure.